When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the new Mutual Audio Network. Welcome home. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. Welcome to not just 2023, but the Sonic Society, the world's largest showcase of modern audio drama on the Sunday Showcase, and the Mutual Audio Network feed. I'm here with the co-host, with the whole year stretched out before him. (laughs) Happy New Year, David. Thank you. Happy New Year, Jack, and to everyone uh, who's listening. Thank you so much. And do you have any New Year's resolutions this time around? Oh, I I tend not to make New Year's resolutions. I, I, uh, I, I, I still think of the 1st of January as just another day. Oh. Good, good. I, I don't think of it as uh, as a resolution, as sort of like a to do list for me more than anything yes, else. So yes, I, like, I, I think all the but things. Also, I think I'd it's, like it's very, very important to set intentions for the year, and, and I think those are much more useful than a full on resolution. I agree, and I've been setting intentions in my own life now for already a year for next year to be <laughs> yes. extremely useful in my life mm-hmm. and my personal life as well, as you know. Absolutely. But it may well be a new year for all of us. The last of Christmas 2022, it still lingers fondly in our memory. Indeed so. And of course, it is still the eighth day of Christmas. Uh, Christmas only finishes on the 5th of January uh, when it becomes... Keep forgetting that. Yeah, Epiphany's on the 6th. It's it's because December is is seen as Christmas, uh, but December is Advent, and it's only the last bit that's Christmas. Sure. But anyway, uh, this week, uh, yes, we are beginning with Jack's own adaptation of the classic O. Henry story, The Gift of the Magi, starring myself, Erica Sanderson, Tonya Malievich, Jeff Billard, and Joe Stofko, all produced by the master himself, John Bell. And what a great cast. After that, we have a brand new feature, part one from Privy Project Productions. It's so hard for me to get all the P's in there. <laughs> with Moonbase Hope Colony, the holiday special. And it all begins right here. On the Sonic Society. You usually give me all the tongue twisters, Jack. This Is this a new I year, know. new start? <laughs> this may be. <laughs> the following audio drama is rated G for general audience. The Christmas Wreath The Gift of the Magi by O. Henry Adapted by Jack J. Ward There is a time of year when all things are possible and in the darkest, coldest places in the world love shines brightly. Welcome to the Christmas Wreath. On a cobblestone street, in a worn and fading neighborhood, 
In a city not so very long ago, a man in his late 50s enters the door of Madame Sofroni's shop. Madame Sofroni? Please, please, uh, come in. Mr. Wilkins? Yes, that's right, from Wilkins Jewelry. Well, I am honored that you have come yourself. It is the holiday season. Well, never you mind. And you brought, well, it looks like a doctor's bag? It certainly contains all the necessary instruments. You said it was an emergency. Uh, Yes, over here, Mr. Wilkins, uh, by the hallway to the upstairs. Oh, goodness. That's a beautiful grandfather clock. 19th century? Yes, Mr. Wilkins. Well-preserved pine. French, by the looks of things. Yes, Mr. Wilkins. Ah, the cable pulleys are out of alignment. That's why your pendulum bob has stopped. Will it cost much? It shouldn't. Nor should it take too much time. Time? (laughs) What a wonderful joke. My clock will not take too much time to repair. Perhaps we could wind this up soon. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Well done. Um, will you be open much longer? On Christmas? <laughs> I doubt I'll have any more customers today. Uh, let me just lock up and it'll be just us. It is a beautiful clock, Madame Sofrini, but I'm confused as to why you said it was an emergency. I'm happy to repair, but is there a reason this could not have waited till after the holiday? People are strange, Mr. Wilkins. Are we not? We are. Human beings, I mean. The things we possess, and the things that possess us. They aren't always the same, but they do always say something about the owner. As you say. People come to my house, this shop at the front, and see my magnificent wigs. Wigs I make from the coiffure of my clients. Hair from all over the city, from outside the provinces. Locks of all sizes, all textures, all shapes. Delicate tresses as yellow as the sun. Thick, coarse mane as dark and mysterious as the night. Chestnut psyllium like the memories of childhood. Umber down like innocent laughter. Silken grain braids of wisdom. They are all voices to me. Each wig needs fitting with the proper customer. Yes. Yes, you have a very fine collection of wigs, madam. They remind me of a long line of barristers. (laughs) Barristers? How droll. A collection, yes. And each one that I sell, well, it's a little sacrifice to let go. May I show you the latest prize of my collection? Is, uh, is that a roast I smell in the kitchen? I've not had time to make the wig. I just received this treasure. There's a worn cable quite far up the body. It's it's amazing how easily untended things are forgotten. I may need some help reaching it. Forgive the velvet display tray. It is all I have to show. Isn't this the most beautiful carton of rust you've ever seen? Yes, the hair is a truly beautiful brown colour. Brown is certainly the base, but the highlights, the tones, a copper gliding to each lovely hair, 
Do you see the fineness? A wig from this hair will be the envy of any lady in the town. Yes, an autumnal blend. Uh, could you pass me the small pair of pliers? The pliers? The the ones with the, the tapered ends. Oh, yeah, yes, th- yes, right yeah. here. Thank you. You have lovely hands and so warm, Mr. Wilkins. Yes, um, thank you. Oh, you needn't be embarrassed. I'm sure your hands are used to all kinds of delicate work. Autumnal blend. You have a way with words, Mr. Wilkins. Selling jewellery is an art as much as a mercantile profession, madam. That's got it. But the story of this hair is part of its charm. Story? It's all part of possessions and sacrifice. The woman who I purchased this lovely hair from lives in the neighbourhood. Do you know the Dillingham Youngs? Not as such. Could you pass me my bag? I I think I have a cable just the right coarseness. Certainly. Uh, Do you know why she had to sell her hair before Christmas, no less? Why? Here. Yes, uh, this cable should do nicely. Uh, Well, it all began when Dallor Dillingham Young came into my shop. She was like a lost puppy. Or uh, maybe a cat. Yes, that's it. She was more nervous, like a cat. And like a cat, she was slender and beautiful and... (laughs) She nearly talked my ear off with her troubles. Dearest, you're coming in on Christmas Eve. But I was about to close for the day. In fact, if I didn't see you staring at the sign through the window... I'm sorry, Madame Sophroni. I heard you buy. Buy, sell. We are the bazaar of humanity at Madame Sofroni's hair goods of all kinds. How much? How much? For you? Oh, my darling child. A coif such as yours? Why, the Queen of Sheba herself would be jealous of such long locks. That's what Jim always says. Jim? A suitor, perhaps? Oh, much more... Well, he's my husband, but... But much more. You know then. Oh, my dove, I wasn't always the empress of this shop, surrounded by my weak citizenry. No, I was young once too, and in love. Such things are... No, but you are here for business. Let me have a look at you. Could you remove your hat so I can view the full vista? Oh, uh, of course. Eighteen dollars. Really? Oh, tush, not a penny less. It is Christmas, is it not? And your gym deserves a present, no? The very best. Well, you see, he works so very hard, and the money... It's not as much as it once was. Times are tough, my dear. Times are very tough. Uh, Please, have a seat in this chair. I promise it won't take long. We need to have you off before the shops close, I think. 
Uh, do you have a present in mind? Oh, yes. Uh, you see, Jim, uh, James, well, he works long hours, as I said, and he has this lovely gold pocket watch that was his father's and his father's father before that. You don't say. Oh, it's a beautiful watch, but it has this faded leather strap, and I've watched him. Sometimes around company, he's, well, he's a little embarrassed to have such a beautiful watch with such a worn strap. He'll glance at it on the sly, you see. And you have a new strap to buy. Oh, even better than that, madam. I found this absolutely enchanting platinum fob chain. And can you afford this wonderful chain? Almost. Almost? The tag on it says $21 with the tax in. I have a little money I put away, some pennies here, some nickels there. You see, Jim never saves anything for himself. He has such an old suit he wears to work each day and cleans the best he can for the next use. But I'm sorry, I do go on. <laughs> Please tell me of your Christmas. Uh, what are your plans? My dear... Christmas is a glorious day for everyone. And I, too, will spend it counting my blessings. I always make a roast. I have ever since my father and I would spend each Christmas Eve together. <sighs> there are so many leftovers nowadays. Leftovers, I see. You see, I, too, have a timepiece as precious to me as your Jim's pocket watch. See that grandfather clock in the main hall? Its constant metronome reminds me of my father. For it was his as well. The grandfather clock? You can see it from almost everywhere in the house. Yes. It's so impressive. Oh, please don't turn your head just yet. Thank you, Dove. It is the heartbeat of my memories of my father. This was once his shop, you see. And he came from the old country and showed me the ways of mounting hair and keeping it sheen. And all day long, though he's been gone, I'm reminded of the tempo of his work when I watched him from a stool. Since I was five. Oh, he sounds wonderful. He was everything to me. And I still remember how he wound the clock every day, just before bed, as if he would have crafted it himself. Although... It's funny we think of the clock as a grandfather. He was not, you know, ever a grandfather himself. But, though he's left me now, so many years ago, I wind his clock every evening as he did before bed, and I drift off into the most wonderful dreams of my childhood through its steady ticking and the music of his hourly chimes. So, you see... My father and I will spend Christmas together again this year. Oh. Voila, you are done. Just let me brush off the small missteps of my cuttings. Ah, all finished, my dove. Uh, just a moment. Let me put your treasure someplace safe, and I'll return with your money. Thank you. Thank you for not closing. I don't know what I do. It is. I will have to bargain with the shopkeeper <laughs> for Jim's. Here you are, Mrs. Della. Uh, Mrs. James Billingham Young. But 
please call me Della? Of course, dear. You will come back sometime and see my wigs? Of course. Wait. Wait, this is too much. You've given me... Twenty dollars, Mrs. Dillingham Young. But you said eighteen. I said not a penny less. Your hair is worth so much more. As is Jim. Go, child. Go get his enchanting fob chain. And wish him a Merry Christmas from me. Merry Christmas, Madame Safroni. <laughs> oh, Merry Christmas. Joyeux Noël, dear girl. Jim is a very lucky man to be so loved. Did you say Mr. James Dillingham Young? That's what Mrs. Deller said. I know him. Uh, could you pass me the, the small screwdriver from my bag? You know him? Uh, Jim? Uh, uh, Mr. Dillingham Young? Uh, here. Ah, yes, yes, thank you. Well, what's he like? Who? Oh, uh, Mr. Dillingham Young. Why, uh, well, he's a, a fine fellow, really. Uh, quiet, kind enough. A well-worn suit, as you had said. Handsome enough, in one of those hard-working ways. Much like I imagined Bob Cratchit might have been. You don't say. And what was, if you don't mind me asking, the occasion of your meeting? Oh, um, if I remember correctly, he purchased something for his wife. A late present for her, too. Oh, what was it? Oh, you must tell me, Mr. Wilkins, please. I will be ever so grateful. <sighs> I'm, I'm very sorry, madam. I'm, I'm afraid it was a very busy day at the store. Of course. Christmas Day Eve, of course. It's strange how our businesses have weaved in and out of the affairs of two strangers in love. Forgive me, Mr. Wilkins. I'm just so very invested in the outcome of that particular couple. Do you remember young love, Mr. Wilkins? I'm, I'm sure I haven't had... Then you must trust me, Mr. Wilkins. Young love is everything. And if you marry your love, you remain young forever, you see? No time could possibly mark that passage. It remains as perfect as the morning sunrise, as eternal as the golden moon lowering over the river. Oh, just imagine it, Mr. Wilkins. Imagine? The, the moon? <laughs> no, you hopelessly romantic man. Imagine being a fly on a wall at the flat of the James Dillingham Youngs. Oh, you should see the streets, Del. People all rushing about. Snow doesn't stop them. The slush from the traffic doesn't stop them. Trundlings with bundlings, Harry said at the office. <laughs> ah, it's amazing anyone can get what they want. Well, just relax, dear. I'm cooking some chops and string beans. It'll be a lovely Christmas dinner. A better time could not be had, my dear. I, 
Jim? Dell, your hair. Oh, I thought you might notice. I thought I was a Coney Island chorus girl when I first looked in the mirror. I've spent the whole last hour curling it. What do you think? But your... your hair. I look a little like a truant schoolboy, don't I? <laughs> but... why? Oh, darling, can't you tell? Please don't look at me that way. I've had my hair cut off and sold because I couldn't have lived through Christmas without giving you a present. It, it'll grow out again. You won't mind, will you? I just had to do it. My hair grows awfully fast. Say, say Merry Christmas, Jim, and let's be happy. You don't know what a nice, what a beautiful, nice gift I've got for you. You, you, you've cut off your hair? Cut it off and sold it. Don't you like me just as well anyhow? I'm me without my hair, ain't I? Your hair is gone? <laughs> Don't look for it, darling. My hair is nowhere left here. It's sold, I tell you. Sold and gone, too. It's Christmas Eve, boy. Be good to me, for it went for you. Maybe the hairs of my head were numbered, but nobody could ever count my love for you. Is that... Is that my present? What? Oh, oh, yes, I... Please don't make any mistake about me, Del. I, I don't think there's anything in the way of a haircut or a shave or a shampoo that could make me like my girl any less. But if you'll unwrap this package, you may see why you had me going a while at first. Oh, Jim. There are those jeweled and tortoiseshell combs. For your hair, remember? You saw them in Wilkins Jewelers that Saturday we went walking. I remember. Oh, Jim, they're beautiful. Oh, come here, my husband. Come hug your truant schoolboy. <laughs> oh. Oh! Oh! Della, where are you going? One second! Are the chops burned? Nope, I turned them off when you came. Here. What? Guess which hand. The right one? <laughs> the right one indeed. <laughs> Here, Jim darling. Merry Christmas. Oh, it's beautiful. What? It's a chain and titanium fob for your watch. Oh, it's beautiful, Della. What a beautiful chain. Isn't it a dandy, Jim? It's funny, I found it at Wilkins, too. Wouldn't that have just beat the band if we both were in there at the same... Love. You'll have to look at the time a hundred times a day now. Del. Give me your watch. I want to see how it looks on it. Della. What is it? Don't, don't you like it, Jim? Oh. Let's put our Christmas presents away and keep them a while, huh? They're too nice to use right now, and... I just want this moment with you to last. You see, I... <laughs> I sold the watch to get the money to buy your combs. So, now... <laughs> how about I help you with supper? Oh, Jim. 
love you. I can just imagine Jim's face when he sees the titanium fob. What do you think he got Della? Well, I, I told you it was busy. I, I wish I could remember. I didn't ask what he got her, Mr. Wilkins. I asked what you thought he got her. You see, imagination has no price tag, no time limit. Uh, I see. Well, do you have a key? Key? Why would she need a key? Not for Della, for you. A key to wind the clock. I think we're ready to give your grandfather's clock, your father's clock, a try. Oh, goodness, of of course. Oh, one moment, oh, one moment, my dear Mr. Wilkins. I always keep the clock key in the dining room drawer here for safekeeping. One must always remember where one keeps one's treasures. There, you see? Isn't it beautiful? Shaped like a butterfly, which... Which... Which what? Oh, yeah, uh, nothing. Just... Just something my father used to call me. Here. Well, there he is. Your father's present now. I mean, clocks don't just measure time, but they keep us in the moment. In the moment. Christmases, past and present. Who would have thought, eh, Mr. Wilkins? The Magi, as we're told on Sunday, were wise men, wonderfully wise men, who brought gifts to the babe in the manger. They invented the art of giving Christmas presents, you see. Oh, yes, that's true. And being wise, their gifts were no doubt wise ones. And here, you have given me a beautiful present. Not a past, but a present moment reminding me of Christmas's past. And all I have done is lamely share with you the chronicles of a young girl who sacrificed her most precious gift, her beautiful hair for her husband. It's funny, isn't it? Sacrifices, I mean. It's not even Easter and we talk of what we sacrifice for others. You came here and sacrificed your own time away from your family to help my father's clock. It was no sacrifice, madam. I, uh, well, I live alone, you see. You do? You do? Well, we're both alone at Christmas. What do you think of that? I have held you up long enough, I think. How much do I owe you? Well, it is rather blustery out tonight, and, well, I would ask if you'd be willing to trade with me instead of money. Trade? All I have is my wicks, my dear Mr. Wilkins, and you don't have real need of one of those. You have a lovely head of hair. Thank you, madam. But I was thinking, well... If you would do me the privilege, that is, I... Well, I, I haven't eaten yet, and your roast smells wonderful. I... It's about time you asked, Mr. Wilkins. Please join me for dinner. As long as it's not an imposition. No imposition, I assure you, Mr. Wilkins. Ah. Uh, 
Madame Sofroni. Yes, Mr. Wilkins? Perhaps I should take my tools off your table and help you set it. Would you like to stoke the fire, Mr. Wilkins? I'd be happy to add more fuel to the fire, Madame. Luciana. I'm Kent. Kent. Merry Christmas. And whoever they are, wherever they are, they are the wisest. The gifts, like those from the Dillingham Youngs, or the gift of just sharing time together, such as Madame Sofroni and Mr. Wilkins. All who give of themselves are the wisest. All who give and receive gifts such as they are wisest. Everywhere they are wisest. They are the Magi. Gift of the Magi is a classic Christmas tale from the great American writer O. Henry. Jack J. Ward adapted and created original material for this episode of The Christmas Wreath. Starring in the cast in order of appearance, Joe Stofko as your host, Erica Sanderson as Madame Safroni, David Alt as Mr. Wilkins, Tanya Milojevic as Della Dillingham-Young, and Jeffrey Billard as Jim Dillingham-Young. Post-production and credits from yours truly, John Bell of Bells in the Battery. This performance is a sonic cinema production, which is part of the Mutual Audio Network. All copyrights of this performance contained to the author. From all of us here at Mutual in the Sonic Cinema, may you have a very happy Christmas season and a wonderful new year. has been a Sonic Cinema production. Moonbase, Hope Colony. The year is 4067. Our ancestors were sent here to preserve mankind in the face of the devastation on Earth. Unbeknownst to us, Earth survived. We can never go home to that atmosphere and survive it. We are the next iteration of mankind's future. Listen to our stories as we continue to adapt to this harsh environment. The Kyleson Chronicles legacy can continue through our struggles here in space, our home. Welcome back to the Kyleson Chronicles Holiday Special, Part 1 of 3. I'm J.A. Babian, your announcer. Let's join our narrator with the full holiday dinner and swing. Jim, take it away. Hello there, and welcome back. Thank you, Jerry. As you say, the holiday dinner is already in full swing. This is Jim Frank. I'm your narrator for this holiday episode. The date is December 23rd, 4067, at 1807 hours. We see Tad Johnson at the head of the table, just finishing up his toast to Freehold 3. 
To all who have made this journey of survival, a happy holiday meal and drinks aplenty. Thank you, Don Wilson, for your generous donation of this fantastic new vintage of your newest Chateau wine. These fine folks have been slaving away for days just to get this meal on the table. Let us say a prayer of thanks. Ian, will you give the blessing? Please bow your heads. Father, we give thanks for this bounty before us. Bless the hands and hearts who provided these plentiful dishes of delicious foods. We hope that everyone's silent thanks, being said silently with this prayer, will be heard and acknowledged to your good, doing for all involved on earth. May God bless and keep all of us safe. Amen. And with that wonderful blessing, let's eat. That sure looked like a great meal. As it broke up, everyone pitched in to pick up the mess and left the dining hall in its former state of being clean. On another note, it's 0230 hours, and the watchstanders on Moonbase Hope Colony alerted on the explosions out of one smaller pocket of gas just outside of Rio Doza in New Mexico. They call Major Briscoe to the command center, or CC as it's called. Let's listen in. All right, I'm here. Show me what you've got. Sir, there is a massive explosion from a volcano just outside Earth, New Mexico. It looks like it triggered another possible cataclysm. Let me take a look at the replay. Go back that time, please, and play it for me. This is disastrous. As Major Briscoe watched the time lapse of events, he could see the buildup with the other volcanoes on the Earth around the Northern Hemisphere. I observed the Major as he calls General Walker to the CC. General, sorry for waking you up, but there's emergency on Earth. Please come to the CC at once. I'll be right there. What's going on, Major? Why are the klaxons going off? Sir, take a look at this video. And someone shut off those alarms. Walker watches in horror as he sees the eruption taking place. He also notices the change in the atmospheric gases and plates surrounding the northern face of the planet. I can't believe what I'm seeing. If this does take place, Freehold 3 will be the only surviving Freehold in the Northern Hemisphere. We head back over to Freehold 3 to see how the after party is going. These folks don't have any idea of what's already taking place on the planet. That was such a superb meal. I'm stuffed. I don't think I've ever seen that much food being consumed in one sitting. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. Oh, I agree. I never had, what was that called? Green bean casserole? Oh, that was delicious. And this wine is pretty tasty as well. Don, you should be proud of yourself with this vintage. I am proud of how it turned out. This batch does not have the alcohol content my normal wines do. I've been experimenting with gestation time for fermenting the grapes. I still need to tweak a little more to get the volume down. As Don says this last piece, everyone is caught off guard with the seismic waves from the exploding volcano. Don and Ian take off running to the ninth floor, room two, to look at the seismic room monitors. They look in horror as the busy readouts piling up on the floor by their feet. They stand there in stunned silence. Tad comes running in a minute later, asking what's going on. Please tell me that was not a volcano going off. Yes, it was. 
From the look of these readouts, it was a pretty sizable one. There will be bigger ones on the way within 30 days. Are you saying this could be a chain of events, Don? Affirmative. Let me take a look at the data pouring out of the charting machine. Ian and Tad watched in growing dread as Don flipped page after page on the monitors. The graphs were off the scales. They listened to the interchange with Trask as their stomachs bottomed out. The emissions from the volcano was covering the Northwest Territory at a rate of 15% and North Central in 5% increments in growing. His face drained of all color at the readouts. In the background, people are excitedly talking to themselves as they watch the three reading the monitors. They had accrued a fairly large audience in the hallway. The onlookers were worried with fear. Rupert, you get the Cherokee launch facility in Bird's Flat. I want you piloting the spacecraft. Take as many Chickasaw and Cherokee people as you can to the moon. We'll send all your belongings up after we get the rest out of here that will go. I know Two Feathers is taking care of the Navajo, Hopi, plus all the others in his area. However, he has no radios to communicate with. He'll have to coordinate with Phoenix Freehold. I'll contact him as soon as I can. Go, Rupert. Hurry! Call back the JCC settlers and get them here immediately. Get Tony Holperm on the radio now. Someone, anyone, go! When Ian turned back to the others, he had tears streaming down his face. He knew the deadly intent of what had happened and what it meant. We are going to take a short sponsor break. We'll be right back. This is Jack Ward from the Mutual Audio Network and from all of us here, the entire United Artists of Audio, I want to thank everyone who has supported us. Listeners and producers, writers and actors, musicians and graphic artists who make audio drama and audio fiction. You inspire us all. And thanks for making a home here on Mutual, where we listen and imagine together. We're back to our scheduled programming. Jim, you've got a premiere. It's 24 December, 4067, 0230 hours. Let's head back to Hope Colony to see what's happening there. Everyone is busy with their stations looking at data. We join Walker and Briscoe in their conversation. What do we do, General? Do, who do we call to notify Earth of what's going on? Get a hold of Leeds now. Stand the comm to get Ian, Lars, or Bobby April on the line. Yes, sir. Reed, get leads on the horn. Tell me we need Ian, Lars, or Bobby immediately. Stay on the comm until you get one of them to answer. Transfer the call to me. Yes, sir. Walker waits impatiently for leads to get on the line with him. Here he is now. Sir, I have leads on the line now. Transferring him to your desk. We watch as Walker explains to leads all that they have seen from space. The sound is so defeating in his voice. Folks, I'm really concerned that the Earth's inhabitants won't get to safety in time. Major... My office, please. Coming. As soon as Briscoe had entered the office, Walker closed the door. He walked over to the window and looked out at the sphere called Earth. You could see with the naked eye the disruptions taking place on the planet. What happens now, Daniel? We need to get an emergency plan in place and fast. Get with Delphine, Jamie, Penny, and Santiago and set up quarters. We're going to have everyone from Freehold 3 and probably others coming this way for Sanctuary. It's going to get crowded quick. 
The opening to Unfree is our scribe's passage, and the one to the Venetian base as well. Yes. We had it closed down for a long time. Now it needs to be open and usable. Get a hold of that doctor. You know, the one that runs the scientific studies on the sun. It gives everyone the creeps. Are you sure on the contact point? Yes. He's gone through this a few times in the past and can ready the entire space station for incoming refugees. Hang on while I get a hold of the Venus station. Walker watched as Briscoe made the call. The space station had also seen the eruptions on their monitors. They were already in the process of getting the station prepared for incoming travelers. This was a bigger event than I ever thought. What's next? I better get a hold of Mo and tell her to get her staff ready for incoming. Let me go to my office and get some things going from there. Good idea. Walker picked up the handset and called Ruby, making sure she was on her way to the office. Yes, sir. I hear the glaxons going off. We were just heading out the door when the comms went off. Please make sure to get the emergency packets out and on the conference tables as soon as you get there. And make plenty of coffee. We're going to need it. We got this, sir. You worry about the big things, and I'll take care of the little ones. You know, I do have the second sight gene, which allows me to anticipate needs before they're spoken for, sir. <sighs> I read that in your jacket. I'm glad to know that I can count on you. I'll see you in a few minutes. Walk her out. He then called Roland to let him know of the inflow fixing the hit. Sure, General. I'll be there in 5-6. Let me get dressed and grab my shoes. Anything else you need before I get there, sir? Thanks. No, I've got what I need for now. See you then, Roland. My word, I thought Earth was stable after all the reports we'd sent. I didn't even see this coming. There'll be thousands heading up here. wonder how many will stay in the freeholds. Wish Ian would get me on the comm soon. Running a hand through my hair, I finally felt the sense of fear and dread of things to come. Will Hope Colony be ready in time for what's to come? Join us in our next episode. Hold on, folks. There's an emergency broadcast coming in. We interrupt this broadcast with an emergency from the EMS system. Sorry, Jim, but this is an emergency. This is Tony Holmperm at the news desk with Steve Kirkson. I've just had word from Ian at Freehold 3. He's recalling everyone from JGC to get to the freehold immediately. Steve, what did you get? These eruptions are being seen from the moon base. They say they are visible from the naked eye. This is not good. This is not good. According to what I just got handed, the volcano in Riadosa is what erupted. There are small aftershocks coming through to our area as we speak. Steve, what about those in that area? They are scrambling for the closest freehold to include Phoenix. The ones on the ground are gone. Freehold 3 is safe. It's outside of the main fall of the pyroclastic clouds. North America will be the only target so far from what I'm gathering. They should be fined if they secure themselves immediately. The other land areas are safe. We will have many dark days and bad returns for crops. They'll live outside, but they must be able to receive foodstuffs from the moon base. How will that be possible, Steve? Just like it is now, the moon base will continue as it is until further notice. It will be another 60 years 
before that area is even fit for habitation. We are seeing what happened to the blasted lands the first time it opened up years ago. I'm signing off, Tony, so I can keep the reports coming in to you. Good luck to everyone. This is Steve Kirkson, signing off for now. Thank you, Steve. Now, this just in. Gene Binos and all the chiefs of the Indian clans, you are to get to the naval yards with your people. Everyone will go to South America. There are ships waiting and ready for transport. Folks, this is to keep you safe. Good luck to everyone. Lord, I hope they make it. You've heard it here first, folks. Get to safety. Again, with this broadcast, according to what I just got handed, the volcano in Rio do Sai what erupted. There are small aftershocks coming through to our area as we speak. Ian is recalling all of JGC to Freehold 3. This is Jim Frank, your narrator, signing off. Thanks for listening to Tides of Change, a tale from the Moonbase Hope Colony Trilogy. Music is from David Fesslian Studios and used with license to this podcast. This has been a presentation of Privy Project Production. For more information about the book or the author or narrator, visit www.privy-projects.com. We'll see you next time, space champs. I am Brian Session, your announcer, signing off. And that's this week's show. Please check out the show notes for both Sonic Cinema Productions and Privy Project at our website at sonicsociety.org. Until next week, when the dark time of the year brings back our love of all things horror, I'm Jack Ward. And I'm David Alt. Have a safe new year, everyone. Yes, good morning.
Hi, I'm Jack Ward, and from all of us here at the Mutual Audio Network, we'd like to say thank you for making this our fourth season. With hundreds of original shows, we are the world's largest curated podcast and podcast family collection of audio drama and audio fiction, and it's all because of you. We couldn't be more grateful, because it's here at Mutual, where we listen and imagine together together. 